last Christmas, um, I, as a dad, got to participate in the, the choice of presents for my kids. And, and there's just all these great presents out there that I know my uh, children need. And, and one of them was for our oldest boy. And uh, I was convinced that what he needed was a drone. And it, it just seemed to be a great idea to buy a six-year-old a remote control vehicle that could fly at a good rate of speed um, and uh, just be a death trap to anyone that was near. So uh, that was a, a, a really great thing, and it was a, a treasure to see him open his present. And as we do uh, most, Sunday, uh, most Christmas days recently, we head over to the Barn Church, which is the other side of Bewbush. And we had our sort of 45-minute Christmas Day meeting. And then all the children get to uh, sort of show off their toys at the end. And uh, very proudly, we sort of uh, unveiled Job's drone. And we were like, what is going to happen? This is going to be awesome. It's going to fly up and do somersaults. And it's going to look... But I forgot that it was a six-year-old operating a toy and not something more professional. So immediately, the thing shot up as fast as it could go hit the ceiling, uh, smashed and flew down, and the propellers were broken. (laughs) It didn't last very long. Now, interestingly, the toy maker guessed this would happen. I've never encountered this with any other toy that I've ever bought. The toy maker knew that the children would smash it up, so it had uh, put in the box... Tons of spares. It just expected you to wreck this thing again and again, and then it would bring, uh, and then you would attach the spares. We are now exhausted the entire supply of spares uh, uh, for that drone. I wonder if you've ever broken your Christmas present on Christmas Day. But isn't it true that this brokenness that we saw with the drone... Isn't that the fate of everything? Is there anything that you've owned, that you've possessed, that doesn't get broken? Possessions break. You will find, if you come to my house on Christmas Day, that probably 10% of those toys won't make it through to the end. But wealth comes and goes, doesn't it? Like... Your bank account goes healthy on payday and then everything trickles out very quickly. Or um, these physical bodies. Now some of you are young and don't realise it, but these physical bodies decay. They don't stay at the optimum condition for the rest of your life. But they start to fall apart. At least mine has started to fall apart. Perhaps you are all doing really well. But they all grow sick and eventually die. Now, regardless of who you think Jesus actually was, most people on this planet recognise that some of what he said was quite wise or helpful. The invitation to love other people is something that often people can get behind. Um, If I was to project to you the possibility of a society where everyone thought as much uh, uh, as about their neighbour as themselves, 
Some of you go, I quite like the sound of that. And especially that person that uh, um, Q jumped at the uh, post office earlier or cut me up in the car or did something else unspeakable to me. But Jesus' words in those cases are, are, are something very appealing. And I want to read to you some other appealing words that I have found uh, very beautiful in my life. Um, and I'm reading from the uh, message translation. And it says uh, this. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust. Or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place where you will most want to be and it will be where you end up. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once, loving one god and you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes on your, in your closet are in fashion. There is more to your life than food to put in your stomach and more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Jesus points out in this teaching that chasing after mortal stuff just brings stress and worry, just brings grief. And Jesus suggests that there is a possibility of chasing after a prosperity that will never fade. And doesn't that seem right? Don't you want to chase after something that will last for a bit longer than just Christmas Day? Don't you want to chase after something that is perhaps worth chasing after? This Christmas as a community, we've been looking at the nativity story through this lens, through the idea of having these treasures in heaven. Now today we have enjoyed the most possibly historically accurate recreation of the nativity scene you will ever encounter. Spielberg, Tarantino, all these other directors long for the uh, precision that we have acquired here in our show. We've also enjoyed the first century text, this eyewitness accounts of that birth. And I suggest to you tonight that those shepherds that were on that hill that had that angelic visitation are... Uh, give us insight into this 
and as perhaps you shiver in your seat longing for the central heating of your own homes, I want you to uh, imagine yourself in those shepherds' place. Because these guys were probably peasant farmers and they were looking after other people's sheep. This was other people's wealth that they had to look after to live uh, day to day. Other people enjoyed respect. Other people enjoyed shelter. Other people enjoyed civil amenities like um, water and uh, sort of sewage and that sort of thing. These guys lived roughly and poorly. And as they, perhaps feeling a little sorry for themselves on that mountainside, the sky turns ablaze. At night time, the sky lights up. And these simple folk, who are not accustomed to encountering angels as they look after their sheep, are suddenly brutally scared. They may have been aware that there are angels in the Old Testament, but they had never seen one in all its glory. And as they see this angel... As they are terrified out of their wits, the angel makes this wonderful invitation. The angel says, I want you to swap your great fear for great joy. I wonder if that seems a good deal to you. If you could swap your great fear for great joy. Because that is what the angel offers here. All the stuff you're worried about, terrified of concerned about, all the stuff that just makes you uh, not sleep at night, and the angel offers great joy. And the question is, how do they do this? How do these shepherds go from great fear to great joy? How do they go from being terrified out of their wits to happy? Well, they have to leave their hills, they have to leave their livestock, They have to leave their vocation. They must put aside everything that defines them, that made them feel that they had a place in life, that supported them. And what did they have to chase down? They had to chase down a baby in a feeding trough. I wonder if that sounds a very likely uh, career swap for you. Moving from a place of looking after sheep and getting paid for to finding a defenseless babe that's obviously too poor to have a proper cradle. And I wonder, these rough, rugged shepherds, as they invaded Bethlehem, turning it upside down, whether they felt a bit stupid. These rugged, rough guys who looked after sheep in the wilderness, who cared for these animals against the sort of beasts that surrounded the area. I wonder if they felt humiliated and embarrassed. I wonder if they thought, what are we doing? We're grown men looking for a baby in a feeding trough. This does not sound promising. Having left everything behind, 
these uncivilized outdoor guys, they suddenly discover the newborn. But it's not like the Christmas cards. It's not like even the Hollywood shows. Mary and Joseph probably didn't do lots of smiling each other and the sky didn't open and cast a light on this newborn baby. They would have probably been a bit frazzled. They would have probably been a bit stressed. They had found themselves not in the Hilton, but in some sort of shed and Jesus was placed in a feeding trough. This was not their ideal start for their child. They were... Uh, new to this. They didn't have a string of other children. After a while, you get used to having children and what it takes. This is their first one. They don't know if it, it, when Jesus coughed, whether suddenly Jesus had developed pneumonia and whether they had to uh, ring NHS direct or not. There is that stress and worry and concern of these newborn parents. And these shepherds, these rough, rugged guys that had uh, torn up Bethlehem, looking for this baby in a manger, come across Mary and Joseph that are barely holding on. Their sanity is just round the corner. And then shepherds come in and they haven't bought baby wipes and they haven't bought toys. They haven't bought um, a, a, a nice pushchair from Mother Care. They've just bought themselves. And they just want to gawp at this baby. And you can imagine anyone that looks on the scene and thinks, there is nothing special here apart from these shepherds being a bit wacko. These uh, Mary and Joseph is a sight that you will find through the ages. A newborn being born to an inexperienced, unremarkable young couple. But you know what? The angels saw this scene, and though it was unremarkable, though Mary and Joseph didn't have halos around their heads, though Jesus didn't shoot lasers out of his eyes, though there was nothing there that made it look different, they knew it was different because of the angels said so. They saw not just what their eyes took in, but what they remembered the angels announced. And they saw in the stressed Mary and Joseph and the whining Jesus, they saw something amazing and miraculous. And as they leave, everything has changed for them. They were afraid... And now they're dancing, now they're rejoicing, now they're singing, now they're breakdancing. They are in an entirely different frame of mind. Before they were on society's fringes. But now everyone wanted to come and see and hear what these shepherds had to say, what they had seen, what they had witnessed. Before they were were just shepherds. But now... They are the shepherds. They are the shepherds in the greatest story ever told. Do you know, history has forgotten who the mayor of Bethlehem was. History has forgotten who the most important 
um, tradesman was in Bethlehem. History has forgotten all the people that thought they were all that in this story. But children around the world and adults for 2,000 years have dressed up in tea towels to remember these shepherds. They had no part in history until they left everything and found Jesus and suddenly they are mentioned and we inflicted on our children every Christmas to act it out again. And so I offer, as I come near to the end, I offer up these shepherds as an illustration of what it means to store up treasures in heaven. As we absorb this great story, I want you to realise that there's no myth or legend or fairy story. There are many in this room. Don't look around. There are many. You may actually be sat next to one where they have abandoned whatever they thought they knew about themselves and chased after this Jesus. They have abandoned all they thought they knew about life and chased after this Jesus. And they and we have found that Jesus is God with human flesh. He's the wisest and kindest ruler you will ever encounter. Can anyone say yes? Yes. Can anyone say amen? Amen. There are many here who have encountered this Jesus and found someone that they have just fallen in love with, that has just changed their story, that has irrevocably moved them in what they thought they knew. His death on a cross was the remedy for all evil, for all sin, for all failure, for all brokenness. And so I wonder how you would define yourself. I wonder how you would summarise yourself if someone asked who you were. Perhaps it's where you live. Perhaps it's the work you have. Perhaps it's the sickness you're inflicted with. Perhaps it's the family relationships around you. Perhaps it's your wealth. Perhaps it's your lack of wealth. Perhaps it's your, the sports you like or leisure activities you get up to. I wonder what you think makes you valuable and unique. The thing is, all these things get eaten up. All of them. There's nothing that you can chase in this life that lasts forever. It will be eaten up by time and moth and rust and sickness and death. And they hold no hope. There is no true hope in any of these things. I don't know whether you can read this, but this is uh, Luke chapter 6. And it says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. Everyone say, good measure. measure. This evening, those angels that announced Jesus' birth to those shepherds, they sing to each of us this evening. They sing to us 
about joy, about God's love, and about a singular opportunity. And that opportunity is to leave everything. There's no half-heartedness in this finding this Jesus. There's no dipping your toe and seeing if you fancy it. You chase him down and you find him and then everything changes. And you don't encounter him as a harmless baby in a manger. But he is king, lord and saviour. And he is good. The meaning and value that is absent in everything else without him. In his company, everything changes. With Jesus, those just shepherds became the shepherds. With his love and grace, you return to your life. And you are suddenly in a position of strength. Suddenly you are in a position of grace. Suddenly everything takes on a whole new meaning. Jesus repeatedly said that those that give up everything and follow him, those that give up everything and pursue him, they will be cared for in this life. And they will know an abundance in eternity Uh, That will just knock their socks off. Please pray with me a moment and then we will sing one last carol and then we will end. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way you changed these shepherds' lives. We thank you that even though they left everything behind to find you, that they lost nothing and gained everything. Lord God, I pray for every single person in this room that we would be challenged by this story, that we who have already done this would remember the joy and love and grace that comes with discovering Jesus. And Lord God, I pray for those people that do not know you, that, Lord God, that they would encounter you for the first time this Christmas and that they would discover the love, grace and forgiveness and transformation that you bring. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.